for. We have breakout and escape right now, though. I have to apologize up front <clears throat> for my voice. I was interceding with the Lord in Gainesville last night. But the, the good news is he heard my prayers. He responded in a way that I was very grateful. Um, let, me, let me pray for us this morning. God, uh, we are thankful. We're thankful for church. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together um, with friends, with with people that we are sharing uh, this journey with. And um, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your spirit who reveals truth to us. And we pray that he would have our way with us today, that he would speak to us in a very personal way about the things that you're doing in our lives and the things that you have for us. And God, that he would remove barriers, that he would remove um, any of the things that have uh, been holding us back in our pursuit of you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I was thinking about, I, I, this, was a, this was fun for me to put together because I was thinking about Christmas. Christmas is past, like, like gifts that you really wanted. You know what I mean? Like the Christmas gift that was really hard to find that your mom or your dad had to drive like all over the place to, to try and find, you know? And, and, and some parents, um, you know, would kind of, they would really ham it up. Like they would make sure you knew, look, hey, you know, Santa's watching. You better be nice so you can get that thing that you want. Now think about right now, just think about some of those, some of those gifts. Think about some of those things that, that it was that you really wanted, that you knew you had to get. And, and I actually looked. I'm not going to read them all, but this was fun. I looked at the, like years past of what were the, the gifts that, uh, you know, were the, the big sellers that people were um, going out of their way to get that you couldn't find. Um, cabbage Patch Dolls. Some of us was Cabbage Patch Dolls. Teddy Ruxpin. Huh? Remember Teddy Ruxpin? Furbies. Susie Homemaker. Susie Homemaker. Yeah, like that's not politically correct, but it was a big seller. Um, Easy Bake Oven. For me, for me, it was Laser Tag. You remember Laser Tag? Laser Tag was awesome. And I just remember like that was, that was my big thing. And one of my friends was like, dude, weren't you like in high school? Don't judge me. Okay. <laughs> Laser tag, right? like that was the big thing that I wanted. But what happened is we, we kind of have this, uh, this approach of Santa Claus. And again, some more than others of this idea that, you know, he's, he's watching. You know, you better, you better not be bad because if you're bad, up north we, we'd say you'd get coal in your stockings, right? Down here they'd say you'd put switches, right? So like, like sticks that you get smacked with. Or, ah, that's great. That's a great picture for you. Um, but this idea of Santa, we don't want Santa to withhold our gift because we've been naughty. And, and some people have gone even further in this, this idea of, uh, you know, how we can get our kids to, to do what's right. And has anybody heard about the Christmas elf? The Christmas elf. Okay, this is something, it's a new tradition popping up. I read about it on the internet where what you do is at about Thanksgiving, you, an elf comes to your house from the North Pole. You tell your kid, and he's got a little note that comes with him, that says, hey, this is the elf, and he's come from the North Pole, and he's going to send back a report to Santa Claus of all of the good and the bad things that you do. And you move the elf around all the way to Christmas Eve, and it's a lot of fun. But it's weird. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this idea of, of 
of how we're telling our kids, you know, hey, you know, better be nice if you want to get that gift that you really want. And, and I'm not judging Santa Claus. I'm not here to judge the Christmas elf. But what, what I'm saying is what some people do is they kind of make this leap to the Santa Jesus. And all of a sudden, they have this new gospel of the Santa Jesus. Here, here's a reading. This is a reading from the gospel of Santa Jesus. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Jesus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Some of us have this picture, like we make the leap into, into our, our relationship with Jesus becomes a relationship that is just like Santa Jesus. And, and there's, this, there's this fear uh, that he's going to see these things and, and that well, I've got to do the nice things and I can't do the naughty things. And you wonder, well, how does that happen? How does it happen? Well, here's, here's, a, here's a song. Here's a song. We were in Africa and we only had like one children's CD. And uh, one of the songs was the freakiest voice. <laughs> Jody's laughing. You remember. The freakiest voice singing this song. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. There is an implied threat in that song. <laughs> there is an implied threat that we, are, that we are singing over our children. Be careful what you do, or else. I can't tell you what the or else is. The father's looking down in love, but... He's been known to throw a lightning bolt or two. You know, like, like this, is, this is how some of us have grown up with this idea of, 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 you know, be careful what you do because he's watching. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. And don't get me wrong. This is great for controlling kids. This is a great way because I can't watch them all the time. So if they, you know, there's a little bit of fear that the magic elf might catch him doing something or that Santa's going to put him on the list, hey, but we want our kids to do what's right, and we want to give them the right motive. You know, like, I'm really, I'm, I'm really trying to do this with my kids. I'm trying to figure out. I don't want to invoke the name of God to get them to do the right thing. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm going to exaggerate. But some of us have had these experiences where we've been told at some point in our life that we need to do these things because, because hey, you hit your sister. That makes Jesus cry. You know, stuff like that. And maybe it wasn't that overt, but somehow that was communicated. Or maybe it was, oh, did, did you like that sin? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus stayed on the cross just a little bit longer for that. Yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, this like, this like guilt trip Jesus, this idea that our motivator should be guilt. Like, like, like somehow God in the cross was the ultimate guilt trip that we could use to control other people and that we could be motivated by guilt. And that's the farthest thing that we see from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the farthest thing from the truth of what Jesus did when he went and he told people about what God is like. What am I like? When you see me, you've seen the Father. When you see me, you've seen the heart of God. And it's not, it's not that. It's not a guilt trip. And what this comes down to a lot of times is religion. 
it comes down to religion. And, and you know, at River City Church, you know, we say we're religion-free. And so I just want to apologize for any visitors that are here, and they, and, they, and they didn't think, like, there was any Jesus to this thing. Like, we are a Christian. We believe in Jesus. We believe in, in the truth of who he is. That's not what we mean when we say religion-free. I remember when I first heard it, I was like, huh? Like, I don't know how I feel about going to a church that's religion-free. But when you look at, well, what does religion mean? And it means different things to different people. But in the context, when we're talking about the gospel of Santa Jesus, and when we're talking about uh, uh, the guilt trips that we've experienced, it's, it's this idea of what we do, the outward expressions, the rituals, the traditions, the things that they're not in and of themselves bad, but they have become religion, and they actually become barriers. They actually become things that get in the way of our ability to see God, to understand the heart of God. So what do we mean when we say we're religion-free? Well, we're against empty rituals that are performed with no heart, where there's nothing behind it, where we're just doing it. Why are you doing it? Well, because we've always done it. We're against those type of things, and that's what we want to be as a church, and we want to encourage others to to rethink what are the things that you've just accepted? What are the things that you, you haven't actually pursued, that you haven't actually went to God about, that you haven't you know, searched in his word to understand better of what it is. This morning, I want to look at um, the scripture. There's so much scripture to choose from. I'm going with Matthew 23, because Matthew 23, if you're interested in this topic, and you're like, you really want to get into it, study this whole chapter. Matthew chapter 23 um, is a point where Jesus is rebuking the religious people of the day. His rebukes were typically... Um, geared towards the religious people, those people that had all the outward expressions. They did all of the things. On the outside, they, they knew what to do. And he says, Matthew 23, verses 23 through 24, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. (laughs) I think they would have laughed when Jesus said it. I think there was some humor there. Let's let's just real real quickly. He's talking about about the concept of the tithe, right? And he's saying, you know, you give 10%. And and what they would do is they were so uh, into making sure that they were doing the right things, that not only did they give a tenth of their, of their main harvest, but even the little mints and spices that they would grow, they would make sure that they would go and they'd get a tenth of that. That's like, that's like us, if we were to apply that to our tithe, we'd give 10%, 10% of our salary, and then we would go and we would, we would search our, our couches for loose change, and we would take our 10% of that, and we would tell everybody, look how religious I am. I went and I got the 10% of the, of the money on my couch. So they were like super detailed in the tithe. And then he goes, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness, that the tithe serves a purpose. These are the underpinnings of why we do it. We, we give the tithe so that the church can be a vehicle to go out, to, to be an instrument of God's justice, mercy, faithfulness, that these things would be reflected. But you guys have lost it. You should have, you should have done the, 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 you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. 
He's not saying that it was bad, but he's saying you've missed the point. Uh, Another great example would be any time that Jesus rebukes them for the Sabbath. Because this was a common thing for Jesus. Because he's trying to make a point to the religious people of the day. And he would heal somebody on the Sabbath. And they'd get upset. You broke the law. You can't do that. And guess what? There is a command to keep the Sabbath day holy, that we should rest, that we shouldn't do work. God said that. But Jesus chooses to go and heal somebody, which they view as work. And his point is, look, you guys are straining out a gnat. You're, you're like, you're trying to get to the detail of things. You know, you're, you're, you're getting into all this. But meanwhile, you're forgetting the more important thing, which was God's heart. When he said the Sabbath, what was he saying? He said, you know what? You guys are going to work. You're going to work hard. It's part of the, the result of what's happened in sin is that you're going to work. But I want you to take one day. One day I want you to just take it and not worry. I don't want you to have to work. I want you to be able to experience me. I want you to be able to worship me. That's the Sabbath. But they've turned it into you can't heal a guy who's hurting on the Sabbath. You see what they've done? It, it's really... a a law. It's something that God has said is good. It is good to rest on the Sabbath. But they've taken and they begin to bludgeon each other with it. They take the law and they, and they change it up. They use religion as a way to, to hurt other people, to make themselves feel better, to do something, to control them. You strain out a gnat by keeping the letter of the law, but you swallow a camel as you neglect the heart of God. Just real quick, the gnat, the gnat is like the smallest, tiniest, unclean animal mentioned in the bible and so what they would do is they literally would strain they'd put a strainer on their wine and they would make sure that everybody knew that oh they're they're so clean that they don't even drink a gnat and so they put this over that and whenever they would drink it they would strain out the gnats but he's like but you swallow a camel another unclean animal so this idea that they would go out and even though they've strained out this little gnat they'd go and swallow a camel i would imagine there was chuckling when he said that like they would have gotten that joke we we might not have not being first century, first century Jewish people. But, okay. Um, so, why? Why was he so against this? Why was he so adamant when he talked about uh, religion? Why, why was it such a big thing for him? Religion puts the focus on doing. Religion puts the focus on what we're doing, and it puts the focus on us. When we're talking about the rules from this perspective, when we're talking about what God has said in his word, and we're applying it in this way, it puts the focus on us and what we do. Doing the good things and not doing the naughty things. Doing the things that we want to do to impress God or not doing the things so God will still love us. Look at me. I read my Bible. I pray three times a day. I only listen to Christian music. Look at these things that I'm doing. I'm doing. And there's almost an implicit to it. God, love me for the things that I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. And even if, even if you're not saying it to God, you may be saying it to other people, God has to love me because look at the things I'm doing. I am doing. Religion puts the focus on us when we, when we think about it. And it's going to go down one of two ways. If we put the focus on us and what we do, it's going to happen. One, one, one of these things is going to happen. Either we're going to be filled with pride. Pride because we actually begin to believe the hype. Pride because we actually begin to believe that maybe somehow we can earn God's favor. Somehow we're worth God's favor. 
Somehow there's something that I've done that God's going, ho, ho, wow. Did not see that coming. Got, wow. This idea of, of I, I do, I need, I, I, and I'm going to go on, I'm going to do these things. And if it's a focus on me, it's got to be about me. God's grace is awesome, and that guy really needs it. But I'm pretty good. I don't need, I don't need any grace today. I've, got, I, I've pretty much got this Christian thing down. You know, and, you know that's the kind of thing that, that can happen as we begin to put the focus on us and what we do. In one place, <laughs> there's a book called The Shack. Uh, it's not a bad book. It's not a great book. It's a book. But I love this quote. He says, trying to keep the law is a declaration of independence. Think about that for a second. When we, when we say that we are going to do all the right things, when we are going to practice religion, when we're going to do all of the things regardless of how we're feeling, regardless of what's, what's going on, of, of, of what God has told us, anything, we're going we're gonna to do those things. It's a declaration of independence. I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. On the River City Church website, religion is the height of our rebellion of God. Think about that for a second. Religion is the height of our rebellion of God. In other words, we are totally rebelling against God by trying to do everything on our own. To say, God, I don't, I don't, I don't need you. I've got it. Hey, thanks for the word. Good stuff. Loving it. I'm going to live it out. I don't really need you anymore. That's the height of rebellion of God. That's, that's religion that, that we're talking about. It's all good stuff. Love the Bible. Love the Bible. Love doing the stuff in it. But when we do it absent of God on our own, it's a rebellion. It's I can do it on my own. So it's going to lead to pride or it's going to lead to despair. It's going to lead to the point of I try and I do and I work and I just can't get it together. I've, I've, I've read the Bible, I've prayed, I've gone to Bible studies, I've done this, I've done that, but I'm just not getting there. I do, and I do, and I do. But Jesus says, it is finished. We find ourselves fighting against that, trying to do it on our own, and we're going to come up empty. We can't do it. You will end up in despair. Now, what's important as we talk about this idea of, of what, what we do it could lead in pride. It could lead to despair if we, if we put ourselves in the focus. But you know what? I'm not saying that what we do isn't important. This is a real important point for us as a church to understand. At River City Church, we want people to come and experience freedom. That's one of the things that we're always praying for is that people would come here and they would experience the freedom that Jesus talks about when he says this is what he's come to do. It's to set the captives free. One of the things that he's setting them free from is religion so that they can experience him, so that they can be in relationship with him. There will be things that overflow from that. We will do things as a result of our relationship with him. Those things aren't wrong as long as we're not doing them to impress God, as long as we're not doing them as a rebellion of our own independence from God. Next week, we're going to have a, a, a service for baptizing and dedicating children. I thought you were religion-free. No, we're not saying that you shouldn't do things, that there aren't things that, that result, but that's not the focus. We're not doing that in an effort to win God's favor. In, in the language that you'll hear next week, it's very specific to reflect that in, the, in what we believe about our children and what we believe about what God does in that. What we do is important. 
Jesus wants us to live a righteous life. There is no doubt. God, God wants us to live a righteous life. The difference is the means of how it happens. Jesus came and empowered us to live a righteous life through accepting him. We don't have a righteous life and then Jesus comes and is a part of our life. He's a part of our life and that's what allows us and empowers us and brings us the ability to live that righteous life. James says that faith without works is dead. That there is a connection between our faith and our deeds, the things that happen. But works without faith is dead. If we're out there doing all the things, if we have all the works, good things, but we have, if we don't have faith, it's dead. It's not going to lead us to the life that Jesus talks about. It gets to the point where Jesus introduces a concept of, the God, of God as Father. Think about that. That's not uh, something they would have been familiar with. He kept talking about um, my Father in heaven, but then he would say, your Father and he would talk about it in the concept of the relationship with God is a, is, is a father relationship. In a father uh, relationship, the, the, the good, God-ordained uh, father relationship is one that is not based on performance. It's not based on what you do or you don't do. I think about it in my own relationship with my son and how I want, I want him to do what's right. I want him to do the right things, but I want him to be motivated by the love of his father. And so I can imagine a dialogue with him where I'm saying, you know, Tommy, do I love you? Have I shown you that I love you? Do you understand how much I love you and I want what's best for you? I want a life for you that is abundant. And hopefully he would say, yes. <laughs> without much thought, and he would say, yes, I believe that you love me. Then obey me. Trust me on this. Do this thing. Not because I'm going to love you if you do this, but because I love you. And because I want what's best for you, do this thing. It's a flip-flop of the relationship. It is a father saying to his children, like the prodigal, the prodigal uh, son that we heard about, Antley spoke about last week, this idea that the father has this love regardless of what happens. He has this love, and he wants the son to experience that. And the older son's like, wait a minute. I've been doing all the right things. I've been doing all these things trying to earn your love. And the father's like, you've already got it. You've already got it. And for a lot of us, that's where we are today, is we are trying to earn what God's already given us. We are trying to earn the favor of God, which he's already given us in Christ. We need to receive that. And now we can go out together, empowered by the Spirit of God, to go and do those things. <laughs> Last thing, quickly. As we think about uh, religion, if we, as we think about all of these outward things, one of, the, one of the dangers, Tim Keller points this out in his book, I think it's, it's excellent, is that religion isolates. Religion isolates. We begin to think that we're better than other people. We begin to act like we're better because we know the secret things of God. Because we know certain things, or we do certain things, we begin to think that we're, we're better. And the things that we do define us more than the person that we believe in. The things that we do are the, more, the defining factors in our life. And it isolates us. It isolates us as we try to invoke God to control people. I hate when people drive slow in the passing lane. So I try to find a 
verse to tell them why God wants them to drive faster in the passing lane, to consider others better than themselves. So get out of the way. Whatever. We start to use God to control other people. And what does it do? It isolates them. They don't like it. And they certainly don't turn to God as a result of it. And that's what was going on in the day. Earlier in, the, in that Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law. Verse 13, he says, You shut the kingdom of, of heaven in men's faces. All these things that you're doing that may be good things that God may have told you to do, you're actually using them in a way that shuts the kingdom of heaven down. It shuts the doors in people's faces. Why? Because they don't understand what you're doing. You're not loving them. You're not showing them. You're not communicating to them the underlying reasons for why you're doing the things that you're doing, why God has given us these things about life and how to live it. And it isolates us because it makes it so that we can't show any weakness because the focus is on what what we need to do. So we feel like we can't show any weakness because if there's any weakness in the things that we're doing, then, then there must be something wrong with us. And we begin to be isolated. Bottom line, Christianity is about the person of Jesus Christ. Christianity is about the person of Jesus. It's not about uh, rules that we need to follow. Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Not come to the Bible, not come to the words that I have spoken, not come to uh, the, the rules and the tenets of the Christian faith, not come to doctrine, but come to the person, come to me, Jesus Christ, and I will give you rest. That needs to be our rallying cry as a church. That, that, that will bring us freedom, that will bring us to a place where we can experience God and we can do the righteous things of God. We can live the righteous life. Let's stand and just pray. God, we are thankful. We're thankful uh, that you have come to show us the heart of the Father. We thank you that while we were still sinners, you chose to die for us, that you didn't wait for us to get our act together. We pray that you would remove all obstacles, anything that would separate us from you, that we would perceive to separate us from you. Help us this morning to see in our own lives where we have accepted religion and we've used it to hurt others. I pray for those this morning who maybe have never heard of how they can come to you without having their act together. And I pray that this morning you would speak to them. God, that you would bring them to that place of being able to just accept you, to just begin to believe in you and to enter into that relationship with you. We're thankful for the relationship that you've called us into and we pray uh, that you would lead us to the place of just being free and leading others to that same freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to um, just remove the first three rows of chairs, or four rows, where you are, Greg. And uh, those four rows, and just have a time where we pray for folks. And again, if you're a visitor, we'd love for, uh, you don't have to, no one has to do any of this. The, the barbecue's ready to roll, but we always like to leave time at the end of our, our service for people to receive prayer. You know, and a lot of people might be, 
their response to the time of prayer might, your response might be, well, why do, why do I need to get prayer? Why do I need to receive prayer? I feel pretty good. I'm not a real religious person. 